Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Tara Timon. And we have special guest, the world's number one geologist, Paul White. Paul, thanks for coming on, my friend. Very excited to have you here. Hey, look, I'm really excited to be here myself and uh, looking forward to the show. Let's do it. Yeah, so Paul's going to jump in and talk some real estate with us here for the first couple segments, and then we're going to get into Brickhouse Environmental, his uh, en- engineering and geology firm in Westchester, which will be very exciting. So what we want to do first, and our first topic here is going to be some news that came out about the Omicron variant, the latest variant with coronavirus. And the big question here, ladies and Paul, is, is this going to affect the real estate market? Is this going to affect the economy? How do you guys see this all playing out here? I mean, I think we've we've been through a number of different of different variants and people that are out there and are looking to buy are still going to continue to do that. Um, I mean, it could affect some interest rates a little bit, but overall, I think um, not a not a huge change in the in the process. Yeah, my view, I think that uh, this has been going on for a couple of years now. We're all kind of acclimated to the whole uh, COVID situation. And you have those people that are still kind of hunkered down and the rest of the world is just ready to get on with life. So I don't see it to be a big, big, giant change. I have to agree with everybody. I, I don't see that this is going to affect much as far as people buying and selling. I think that if... If you were on the fence about buying or selling a year ago because of the original COVID-19 strain, um, you're kind of like, wait a minute, you know, things are getting back to normal for the most part. Just drive or look around at everybody shopping and um, there's vaccinations. So people are feeling much more comfortable. So even if you were on the fence a year ago, I think even with this new strain and as much information as we have out there about the virus, I don't think it's going to change much of much of the market locally anyway. Well, and and that seems to be the economic sentiment that, you know, you look at like the markets, like you hear about this Omicron variant, then like the stock market reacts drastically one day and then like a day later it bounces back. I mean, that's been what we've seen. I think the bigger question is, are are consumers getting fatigued by all of this? I mean, and and, and Paul, you kind of hit on this. I mean, I'm sensing there's a major fatigue of people are like, great, another variant, another booster shot they're talking about now. And it does have a little bit of an effect on the economy because I, th- I think the bigger question here is like, what's going to happen with people's like work environment? I mean, you know, you're running a different kind of business than, than we're all in, Paul. So, I mean, are, are you guys fully back? Like, talk to us a little bit about that and, and how this may affect decisions that are getting made at, at your firm. Well, for us, we do a lot of field work. And so we're outside a lot. And so we uh, we're out doing drilling and collecting samples and uh, sending stuff to the laboratory, and then we're processing the, all that information in written reports. So we can work from home when we need to. We can be outside when we have to. And quite frankly, our business has not really suffered at all during the entire COVID uh, episode. In fact, uh, we've had uh, record-breaking revenue the last two years. So I'm hoping that the market just continues plowing <laughs> forward and uh, the latest COVID variant has no impact on our business whatsoever. That's my that's my hope, and we'll see what happens. Well, I think that's the hope for everybody because, I mean, and I'm glad to hear you're in that spot, and I know real estate has been like that with the exception when we were shut down initially and we couldn't do anything. 
Um, there are a lot of places, though, I think people are starting to wonder, like Zillow talks about this great reshuffling where people are moving from, let's say they lived in a city, and now they're all going to the suburbs, which you've seen a lot of. So do you think that's going to continue? I mean, I'm just kind of curious because it seems like once you get to the end of the tunnel with this thing, it's like, oh, great, there's more. Oh, wait, here we are again. <laughs> and it has been a couple of years to your point. I mean, we're going on, what, yeah. month 21, 20 here? So what, what do you guys think about this in terms of, like, the, the fatigue that consumers are seeing right now? And then I, I do want to talk about some Fed policy here that may get affected. Well, I think it's going to kind of go both ways. Um, I think a lot of people are fatigued and are kind of over it, where, like, yeah, they're still paying attention to some of the headlines and they're they're still, like, aware of it but it's not like every new strain now is net like and unless if one comes along that does just like blow people out of the water but as of now it's kind of like all right how do we deal with this and then move on um i think mo- i would think that a lot of the people that would be ones for that would move from the city to the suburbs just because of this maybe would have already been in the process of that i don't know that these additional variants are going to be something that um now sparks people to to move out. I think that maybe these were people that were already on the fence and maybe this pushes them over the edge, but I think they would have already had some type of consideration for for that move prior to these variants. I would say, uh, Tom, that for us, we're kind of ahead of the curve on some of this stuff because so many of our projects are really done early on in the land development process. So I have you know, probably 15 individual projects that are ongoing right now where we're taking care of some of the environmental problems on land that's going to be developed for residential purposes. And so our clients um, are ahead of the game. They're trying to get projects built and brought to market. And so some of the projects I'm working on probably won't be ready to actually sell for a year. Mm -hmm. And they're not slowing down. So um, I, I can only hope that they have good crystal balls, but they're moving forward with their projects. We're doing redevelopment in the city. We're doing redevelopment in the burbs. We're doing infilling in the towns around the Philadelphia area. And so we're not really seeing it slow down at this point in time, despite any short-term messaging in terms of COVID variant one, two, three, and <laughs> <laughs> alpha, beta, gamma. You know, they're all coming left and right. So that's we're not, we're not really seeing anybody make decisions in the short term uh, over these types of news events. Love like it, love it. That. That's, that's good to that's hear. good news, yeah. I do like to hear that. Um, I think people are fatigued for the most part um, with, with just everything. You know, they're, whether they're fatigued by just virus constraints um, and just all the chatter on the news and, you know, people are just done. They just want to be able to move along and and get things somewhat back to normal. Um, Buyers are kind of fatigued with the market a little bit. (laughs) They're waiting to, you know, to have some, you know, type of uh, normalcy there too so that they don't have to be fever pitched at showings and hurry up and get your offer and things like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, sellers are a little fatigued too. Um, you know, they, they just want to be able to move on if they've been waiting, sitting on the fence about selling their home. They, they want to get, they want to get their house sold. So I think everybody has fatigue, myself included. Yeah. Well, I, uh, so we're all in agreement that it doesn't, I mean, certainly I don't see real estate slowing down. We've hit on that. Paul, you're, you're in a, a real estate related industry and you're kind of on the front end of that. You're not seeing that happening. All the experts are saying the economy is probably not going to slow down, with the exception of maybe a couple things here or there that you know you know have have issues with people getting to show up to work, like the service industry is having some challenges, which 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 you, you know of. 
the thing nobody's talking about, and, and we're going to hit on here, is like Fed policy expectations. And, and what a lot of people think is that the Fed sets mortgage rates. Like that's the conception out there. Like the Fed sets the rate, and then all of a sudden that's what it is. And that's not really how it works. Uh, their policy does influence rates, and specifically the 10-year Treasury bill where when the yield on that goes up, rates go down, they have an inverse relationship. So if you look at policy expectations before the news of the Omicron variant, and I don't even know if I'm saying that right, I don't really care, uh, three, they, they were, uh, the, the policy expectations by the Fed, there were three predicted one-quarter point raises in 2022 with a 77% chance of one being before June of next year. Then after news hit, it moved to two quarter point raises, so two one quarter point raises with a 64% chance before June of having the first one hit. So with that, the other key component here, and then I want to get your your feedback on this because this will tell what's going to happen with interest rates, which does affect the housing market directly, is the 10-year T-bill yield that was also affected. Um, it peaked at 1.69%. So the yield went to its highest in, in a while on November 24th. And as of Monday, it dropped down to 1.54% after this news of the new COVID-19 variant hit. So seeing that the market be that reactionary, what does this tell you for 2022? Like you're a buyer or a seller. What should you be thinking about knowing that it looks like based on this, I mean, rates could be going up, but the Fed also may be tapering policy. Well, I think if you're a buyer, you definitely just want to get in on on the purchasing right now so that you know where your interest rates are going to be now at this moment. And it's a great time to buy because there is less competition. There is a little bit more inventory. And, um, you know, the, the rates are still historically low at this point. So if you're a buyer, definitely time to get in on the market now. Yeah, Tom, I would say from my perspective, and I'm not, you know, in your profession per se, but as a consumer and as a person that does some borrowing you yep. know, through our business, we're always kind of looking at interest rates. And you know, when you're talking about a quarter point here, a quarter point there, you, know, you really need to keep a little bit of perspective. I mean, every quarter point does make a difference in your monthly payment, but we're not talking about three, four, or 5% jumps. I mean, I'll date myself a little bit. I can go all the way back. I remember my parents had a home with a mortgage at 18%. Yep. That, that was common. That was common. You know, and yeah. so um, I would say that interest rates are a very important factor. But if you're sitting around going to yourself, geez, let me wait for the point to drop a quarter or go up a quarter. You, you probably have bigger things to worry about. Get out there and find that home that you're looking for and, you know, make your move. I wouldn't let those short term, relatively small fluctuations that no one can really predict anyway, um, be a big driver in your decision making. What you said there is really critical, and then we'll jump to Sarah here in a second, is that you can't let the rates determine when you buy or sell a home. And I, I think that's the mistake a lot of buyers make and, and sellers make. They want to try to time the market almost perfectly. And guess what? There's so many variables to your point. Is the right house going to come on the market? Is the right buyer for your house going to materialize? What's the inventory look like? Do you, any of your neighbors have their homes listed? I mean, if you, you were trying to get the lowest rate possible, usually there's like a two-day window to do that, and then they kind of jump back up again. So... I love the consumer perspective because you got to do what's right for your business, in your case, what you're talking about, or your, or your household. And a lot of times, you know, let's say your wife's pregnant and you're having another kid or your kids are moving out of the house. The kids aren't going to wait to move out of the house until rates drop. Like, that's not how it's going to work. Uh, so I, I think it's a, it's a very great perspective here to get for the consumer side of this, Paul, which is really valuable. 
Sarah, what about you? I mean, because I know you're, you're dealing with this all the time where people are like trying to time it or wait and they want prices to go up and down. And I think it ends up hurting them a lot more than helping them. Right. And I know we've we've definitely talked before about the, the cost of waiting. And uh, to Paul's point there as well, I mean, if the right if the right home is out there and if rates are still affordable um, and if you are considering a move, as we've said a million times, nobody can fully predict what happens next. Um, this should have been something I should have looked into um, a little bit earlier. But do we know when like the Delta variant came out? Did we see a similar um you know, spike and drop or like, because I mean, this is now not the first variant to to come out. So um, I think a lot of times there probably is like an initial like, whoa, and then, um, you know, we kind of dial it back in. Um, and I was just trying to look that up. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right there, um, Sarah, in that um, usually the, the initial reaction is, oh, no, something terrible is going to happen. The market's going to slow down. The Fed's going to have to make some moves, you know, to make an adjustment. Something has to change. And then, you know, what has really has occurred is it's been consistent. The people that are most susceptible to COVID have been the same group of people all along. Great point. Yeah, and people are starting to understand that, you know, if you're relatively young and you're relatively healthy, you know, COVID is not the death sentence that we were kind of worried about when mm -hmm. this first came out. So it it seems like the all of the reactions are a little more muted than they were when it first came out when there was so unknown. You were really everybody was legitimately afraid because you just didn't know. Um, but we've learned a lot, I think, over the couple years, and uh, it seems like each wave has been absorbed with less and less panic and i'm 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 thinking that that's going to happen with the omicron variant as well but hey time will tell right <laughs> i mean you know and i'm not a doctor here so i'm not going to comment on the symptoms or my opinion of that what i do know and you brought up a great point is when covid first came out right so we're talking like march uh, and we saw rates jump up we saw jumbo loans just being taken off the table by banks so that's if you're above that you know into the that 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 larger price point of of lending at that time it was north of 550 that number just came up substantially but at the, at the time that was the case FHA investors were pulling back and not funding loans i mean there there was a lot of issues going on and it was all reactionary same thing happened after 911 the same thing happened after the 2008 crisis where loans that were approved were just getting denied because the investors got squirrely and then all of a sudden 2 months later Guess what happened? Jumbo rates came back down and they were more in line with the market. So the market does react pretty dramatically. I think the thing here is that, you know, if, if the Fed's meeting again in like two weeks, it's the 14th and 15th. So I, I, I would imagine and what, what I think is going to happen is that there unless there's I, I and, and two weeks could be enough time for this to play out. Right. Like we could know if it's going to be a big issue or not. If there's a positive picture that emerges by then, then my guess is um the Fed's going to delay the decision to accelerate the pace of their tapering because they're also buying a lot of bonds right now in the market, which does influence what happens as well. And and if you look at what happened with rates, I mean, at the beginning of November, they were at like 3.269%, let's call it. Today, they're at 3.297. They danced around a bit. They dropped on the ninth. They went back up. I mean, this is something that happens all the time. So, you know, knowing that the Fed is going to raise rates at some point. So I think everyone just needs to be prepared for that. And to what Paul said and what a lot of us has talked about, especially Sarah and Stacy, you find the right home, don't let the market dictate when you buy it. You wanna you're gonna be there seven, ten, twenty years in some cases. 
you shouldn't be overthinking this, and you still don't have to lock in the rate right away either. You can get some advice from a lender, which is usually the way to go because you have that period to, to lock in before anything happens. So any other parting shots here on, on the Omicron variant, especially when it comes to regarding the, in, in the real estate market? So full steam ahead is kind of what I'm hearing. I mean, and so let's say a consumer asks you this, and they say, hey, Sarah, I want to list my house, but I heard this variant news. What should I do? What are you telling them? I think I'm telling them, you know, look at the other variants that have have come out um, and we need to we need to just move forward. Um, and we don't know what could come out in the the coming months. So what we know right now is it's it's a good time to sell. Um, you know, there are buyers out there looking and, um, you know, strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I there. Think they do have concerns. I mean, we've been we're well versed on all our safety practices that we've implemented. And, and um, it's to the comfort level of each seller. You know, we can do an open house. We You don't have to do an open house. You can, you know, limit showings. You can require people to wear masks, gloves, whatever. So there's things that we can do to mitigate exposure. Um, and we've gotten through many, many sales <laughs> throughout yes. the past couple of years. So it's okay. And it has been a couple of years. I yep. mean, this is not something it's like new that we're dealing with. I right. mean, it, it happened basically the beginning of 2020. It's mm-hmm. Christmas time now. Happy holidays. It's our two-year COVID anniversary. <laughs> so it's, uh, it is it is something, that, and I think to the, to the point of the earlier article, people, and, and Paul, you said this too, people are just kind of used to dealing with it now. Like they know what to expect. Like you want to go some places, you got to wear a mask, carry your vaccine card, depending on where you're going, if you want to get in. Like, I mean, that's just kind of the, the, the way it's going right now. So that that's a, that's a really good observation. Right. And to the point that Stacey made, I mean, there certainly will be different, you know, sellers out there that have different levels of, you know, needing to be extra careful or or whatnot. And I mean, you'll see in the MLS sometimes when you go to certain showings that there are like additional uh, restrictions that certain sellers will put in place. So obviously, you know, move forward with your safety in mind and do what you need to do to protect yourself. But um if you want to just wait for this all to be over prior to, to listing your home, you might be in it for the, the long run. <laughs> well, and the market may go the other yeah. way if you keep waiting that long. I mean, sure. we're, we're looking at another run here of maybe two, three years. But, I mean, who knows how long this this could – I mean, I, I don't think anyone expected it to go on this long originally. Right. I mean, when the vaccines came out and everything else, and now it's you know been two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, your point, Stacey, I, we hadn't really discussed that that much. I think it's an important one to make because every – individual seller or buyer has their own you know uh perspective on on the covid and so you guys are professionals and you've you know figured out what needs to be done to handle each individual situation so i don't think that that's a big factor for most people um and in terms of timing it um i'll just go back again to say that rates are low uh, compared to historic so you know if you can afford the house uh, which I think is probably the bigger variable. You know, can yes. you really make that monthly payment and be comfortable? Um, and if you can, um, I don't see any reason that you should make a decision based on the Omicron. If I said that right, I, somebody was saying Omicron. I, I can't. <laughs> the latest variant. Yes. You know, don't let that make your decision making. That'd be that'd be my perspective. Well, think about the people that jumped ahead right when the market opened up in May 2020. And they said, you know what? Things are a little, you know, who knows what's going to happen? I'm, I'm going to buy a house right now. Ooh. You think they're pretty happy about this? They're, I mean, they're thrilled yep. to death. I mean, they, yes. they probably made 10% on their home already More, because yeah. they were, and usually it's the people that wait too long are the ones that kind of miss the market. Mm-hmm. But if you're ahead of it, and now that, you know, I mean, this 
this this data and these predictions from economists have been out there for a while. What's going to happen next year? And it's still going to be a good market, but you probably feel a little left behind if you maybe were one of those people that wanted to wait or wanted to see how things played out. So again, you got to you got to do what's best for you, your situation. I mean, that's always first and foremost, and that's why economists get paid to predict what's going to happen with the market. I mean, these guys are experts, these gals are experts, and that's that's what they get paid for. So. That's the Omicron segment of the show. Hopefully no more talk about COVID-19 for the rest of the hour here. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about a couple things. One, the CoStar Zillow battle is heating up, and holiday season myths about buying and selling. And then we got the Paul White Show after that to wrap up. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. And again, we have Paul White here from Brickhouse Environmental, one of the principal owners of the company, a uh, geology and environmental firm. And the rest of us work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. So we're going to go to Paul next at the, the final segment here to wrap up. But a couple other pieces of news here we wanted to touch on. And this is our weekly Zillow segment. We joke about this, but literally every week, there's some sort of story coming out about Zillow. I don't think this one's going to take too long to talk about, but CoStar, the like pending rival. I feel like we're watching a movie where there's like a villain in the background going after the hero, and it just the, the conflict just starts heating up slowly, and we're not near the finale of it. Is my observation here? So CoStar, the commercial uh, real estate kind of MLS uh, property portal, so very similar to Zillow, only in the commercial space. Um, they've bought HomeSnap, which is a residential real estate app, and you guys can kind of brief everyone on that again. And then recently they announced, it was last week, they have a showing time product, uh, kind of a clone, if you will, where you can schedule showings for properties through the HomeSnap app, which is the same thing that Zillow did when they bought showing time. So these are just scheduling apps that you can go look at properties. What do you guys think about this? I mean, they, they keep saying they're not coming after Zillow, and then everything they do... It looks like they're 
coming after Zillow. So what, what, what do you ladies think? And, Paul, feel free to chime in as well. Well, I love using the HomeSnap app. I, I do. Can, can you uh, explain that for everyone? Because I, I know, I okay. know we talk in real order jargon here, but just real quickly what that is. It's just it's so user-friendly. It's super convenient. Um, it beats the MLS. Basically, it's, uh, I guess, an app or abbreviated version of the MLS, but, mm-hmm. but user-friendly for on the go. So if you're at a showing, uh, um, you can open up the HomeSnap. You can email the seller's disclosure right to your potential buyers through the app. You can also um, mark your location and any other homes that are close by that are on the market will come up uh, so that right from that point, you can schedule another showing and go right to another home that's local to the area. Uh, It's just a wealth of information that you don't have to navigate through the cumbersome MLS system when you're trying to do it on your phone. So I use HomeSnap all the time, but they did have a showing time um, capability. They used to, yeah, yeah. and now now they so have now their own. Is apparently own. the okay. case. Okay, I haven't tried that yet, so I'll have to try. I, it I don't think I think now. they just announced it. They haven't haven't gotcha. rolled it out. Okay, so I wonder how that's going to work because right now you can utilize the showing time right through the HomeSnap app. So I guess they're going to just delete that and use their own. We'll see how it works. All right, well, I will chime in because you're saying that you're talking real estate jargon, and I'm going to say that I'm not a real estate professional. Um, So for the listeners out there that aren't necessarily real estate professionals who are just kind of interested in the market and what's going on with all that, um, I'll just kind of ask you again. So essentially, this Zilla versus CoStar is um, technology tools that you guys use as real estate professionals to help you do your jobs and help you make sure that you're finding the best homes for your clients that are in their price range and in their neighborhoods. And it just it's just an easy app on the phone that allows you to kind of, you know, make it a seamless transition and make it really easy for your customers to be able to make sure they're finding the best homes. I mean, is essentially that what you're talking about? Sort of. Um, so I'll jump in here. So Zillow basically is is an online portal for it's like the, it you know people go on there and they look at properties right and, and that that's what Zillow does and they that really I knew and they have all the eyeballs. They I think they had two hundred two hundred twenty six million uh, unique visitors last month or some something like that. So and you know now now what they have is these these partnerships with agents. We have a partnership with them where they filter you through someone they feel is going to be the best agent to help you because their CEO, Rich Barton, has basically said, I think realtors are idiots and I'm going to try to put them out of business in no uncertain terms. Um, if you, Especially if you listen to his podcast on how I built this with Guy Raz, the NPR podcast, because he also founded Expedia and they kind of did that to travel agents, right? So, and Zillow, just they, they all the consumers go there and the, I don't think the consumer even realizes what's going on half the time. Yeah. They just go there because it's the easiest site to navigate. Is that yes. fair? That's fair. So, yeah. CoStar is the same thing for commercial real estate, and now what it, it, it it's very clear to me they've put a target on Zillow where they come out at any media event that's out there and they just kind of rip the company. They make up a fake name that starts with Z and say they're doing a bad job. I forget what the name was they called them the, the last time, but they they come out and say hey you know they're they're not doing consumers the right right way. And to Stacy's point, the HomeSnap app does give all the real time information because the data on Zillow when it comes to actually drilling in on a home. Is inaccurate about forty percent of the time. Like it you don't get the disclosure. The taxes are wrong. Um, right. Things like that that people need to know when they're buying a house. So, what uh, HomeSnap does is they pull right from the public records and 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 the MLS, which usually the data the data is a lot more accurate. So and and CoStar's kind of done what Zillow did in the commercial space, and now they're it looks like they're coming to do what they're doing in the residential space and 
ultimately look to take a piece of the commission pie and partner with agents is kind of my, I, I think they're going to do the same thing Zillow is doing. That that's my maybe that gives you a better perspective. Well, it does. And but so from I'm just like the regular consumer. The only thing I knew about Zillow is I'll just log on and I'll look at my house to see if the neighborhood prices yep. are going yep. up or going down. I'm um, just for trends really. But they they yeah, cuz I have two and a half bathrooms, but it says I have two. Yep. Mm-hmm. Stuff yeah, like that is very like common. That. Yeah. You can see and they're like, "Do you want to correct this?" I'm like, "No, cuz I don't really care, right? Cuz I'm not actually <laughs> trying to sell my house." <laughs> but if you were selling your house, care. yeah, I'd you like, yeah, and, I would want to get it accurate, right. you know. We actually coach clients to correct that because people look at that number even though it's inaccurate to when when they're buying a house. So we'll we'll coach them up and say, "Hey, you want to go in and change this if you put an additional on that sort of thing." So that, that's a great point. So Sarah, what do you think here? Is is uh, CoStar are, are they like what, what does this all mean like i mean we've been talking about this for i think over a year now it's kind of been the is, 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 like is this battle coming are they going to go after them because zillow's bought their competition before right i mean i think um and also kind of what it said in the article was from what costar was initially talking about for their plan they have kind of altered it and they do seem to be breathing down zillow's neck a little bit um as time goes on they're kind of revamping their strategy a bit so it it does seem as though they are they're targeting that um, and I do agree with Stacey. The HomeSnap app is very, very user-friendly when you're out on the go, um, even down to like, you know how sometimes you're out at a property and you're not exactly sure what the like boundary lines are or the shape of it. Oh, and one. you can often like pull up in HomeSnap and actually like see. And as you're out there, it's like, okay, so to that tree and then it like zigzags here or like whatever. But you know, that's something that people want to look at when they're they're figuring out exactly what's what. Or if you're on a property that has like a big hill, like and you're trying to figure out putting in a fence or what goes where. So um, stuff like that when you're actually out looking at it is so much easier to pull right there in real time than, you know, after the fact coming back and, mm-hmm. you know, drawing them a map. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I think I think they are they're coming after them. And I think it's, uh, you know, I think it'll still take a little bit for them to actually have this go into into play but i think they're lining everything up well what they also did in october this went a little under the radar so new york city does not have an mls so they don't they can't filter the data to zillow like other places can so they have a they have a service called street easy which is like the new york mls because they don't have to cooperate there well costar launched the same thing called city snap in october which was a direct competitor to the street easy service that zillow has and in the um, at the Inman uh, Connect conference in Vegas a couple months ago, CEO Andy Florence said that Zillow's business practices are hijacking and they are mafia-style extortion. So I mean, I just don't see how this isn't going to be some sort of battle down the road. And now that Zillow had to kind of pull back their eye buying because their business that that obviously didn't go well, it's still a small portion of their business. It looks like they're just building an identical platform that's going to compete with them. And I think it's going to be who's going to get all the eyeballs. And I, that's going to be the tough sell for CoStar. Because if I'm going to ask you, what's CoStar and what's Zillow? Do you have any idea what CoStar is? Or All I've heard so far is that it's a commercial real estate app that's similar to Zillow. And it sounds like CoStar is trying to, to expand into the residential space. Essentially, yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't, and they don't have the Zillow recognition. I mean, Zillow's got name recognition. You know, it was on the Saturday Night Live skit. I mean, there, there's so much value there that even though they had this, their stock price went down. They had that horrible earnings call. The consumer, no, no consumer, really even knows about any of this right. stuff. So I, I don't. I think it's going to be an uphill battle for them, but they're sure trying. Well, they're Zillow definitely has the the name. I mean, everybody know everybody knows Zillow. Well, I mean, in general, like competition is. 
pretty good for the market. I mean, mm-hmm. it, maybe it's going to make Zilla even better. I mean, you know, sometimes that's what happens. Someone comes in and they start doing some things that are a little bit better. Maybe their app is a little bit better. And next thing you know, you guys have better choices. You have, uh, you know, better systems, better technologies altogether. So, um, you know, maybe it's a good thing in the end. I don't know. I'm a, as a geologist, I'm a big map maker, you know, and as long as Sarah doesn't have to draw maps, <laughs> you know, I'm feeling pretty Nobody good about that. that. You know? <laughs> Tell me a drawing app on your iPad. Just you know, yeah. make Put the fence right here. Hang on a minute. We might want to do a survey. I'm just saying. That's funny. So I, I, there, there's going to be something that pops here soon. I don't think there's much more to talk about other than that right now. So let, let's kind of move on to the holiday season myths real quickly. Then we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk with Paul about his company his rise through the geology industry, all that all that exciting stuff, because there is a lot to talk about there that I don't think people are going to realize. So home buying myths during the holidays, and I just want to get everyone's – I got four of them that I came up with. So I'm just going to rattle them off. Give me your take on it. Number one, nobody looks for a home during the month of December or the holiday season. What do you think? False. Okay. Can we go a little deeper, maybe? Yes. No. People are always looking. People are always looking, if, especially if you have a need. And people have real needs to move. Mm-hmm. So people are always looking. Um, so that, I don't know why people, I think it's just something easy to say. Oh, nobody's looking, so I'm not going to look either. Um, but no, it's it's a constant, you know, why, why is Zillow so busy all the time? Because people are always looking for homes. I'm going to say uh, false because... Um, if you're involved in some other industry or some other business or whatever, but on the side, all of a sudden now I'm a home buyer or a home seller. That's like my new part-time job. And the time to do it is when you have a little extra time. And, you know, a lot of times what happens is your business slows down a little bit during the holidays. People are taking time off. You're like, you know what? I think maybe I'm going to take off the week, you know, uh, before Thanksgiving. Well, what are you going to do? Hey, I got a couple days on my hands. I'll do a little shopping. Maybe I'll go look at a house. Maybe I'll do a little, you know, exploring on Zillow. So you have a little extra time, you know, to 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 spend on your side job, which is my house buying, house selling job, which normally I don't have any time to do. So um, I'll just throw that out there that maybe you know there's a little bit of extra time on your hands um, during the holiday season to give you a chance to look at houses. Great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you have to move, you have to move. And the, you know, December doesn't stop that. <laughs> like, um, you know, that's that's a whole month out of the year. And there certainly are, I'm sure, buyers that maybe aren't as motivated or, or don't need to get, um, you know, just aren't as motivated that maybe they are taking a little a little step back. But there's certainly enough people out there that, that are. And if you look at how transactions are moving, um, you know, I think it'll be interesting. I'm sure in January we'll be able to go back and, give some numbers about mm-hmm. like, hey, this is what happened in November and December. So as you can see, things still move forward. I would argue the people looking this time of year are much more serious yep. than you get in the yes. spring and the summer when people are like, oh, everyone buys homes in the spring. And, and we've seen that through historical statistics. So love that answer. Paul, you made a great argument to go buy a home right now. So listen to Paul, guys. Don't listen to us. I completely made that up. I'm <laughs> just saying. It's actually, it's pretty accurate, though. I mean, well, and you think about it. It gets dark at it like 4.30, 5 o'clock. So if you got that extra time, you can actually go see a home during the daylight, which is much more effective in terms of a showing. I mean, I don't think there's any question there. All right, number two, I don't want to move during the holidays uh, or, or I don't want people coming through my home when it's decorated for the holidays. 
Sarah, let's go to you first. I mean, I think having somebody come through your home when you have it beautifully decorated is a great time to to have people take a look at it. It feels warm. It feels homey. It feels inviting. Um, so I think it's a a wonderful time for your home to show. And yeah, you don't have to pack up and move out Christmas Eve. I mean, we can schedule you can schedule the settlements around that. You can give yourself those couple days right around the holiday that you don't need to physically be moving on it. But it's a great time to show your home. Totally agree. Yep. And as far as um, buyers to get out there and buy during the holidays, absolutely. Again, if the homes are beautifully decorated, buyers are going to be able to see. It'll give them ideas of how they can spend their family holidays and, and build traditions in this wonderful home. So uh, they'll have that opportunity, you know, to have a sneak peek at what they could you know, what they could also uh, partake in, in in the next year. But you don't have to move during the holidays. Like, absolutely not. You can look, get under contract, and then move in January. So just because you're out shopping for a home during the holiday season, during Christmas and, and all the other holidays, doesn't mean you're actually moving then. Now, if you do have a need, and you must, because of whatever reason, job transfer, uh, we, can, we can definitely help you with that, too. So there's some... Definitive needs, and then there's wants. So, uh, but both of them can be achieved. Well, and this this wouldn't be able to like apply for everyone, but um, you know, what a great gift to give for the holidays. You know, if you don't want if you don't want to just like yep. give a pair of socks, you know, <laughs> give it give a new home. I mean, again, that doesn't work for for most people to just throw in there. But you know, if you've been looking for a little bit, it could you know, it's a it's a great gift. <laughs> Depends on the family dynamic, right? I yeah. mean, you, know, you got to be a and, you know, you got someone's spouse is complaining, hey, I bought you a house for the holidays, so there you go. <laughs> I really love you, honey. Would yeah. you please live next door? <laughs> I just bought, just bought you a home. No, and I'm going to just, I'll just throw in there that, uh, you know, when you're, they're baking during the holiday season and, you know, there's something about the smell of a delicious cookies in the oven and, you know, people are making their pies and, you know, I just made some delicious turkey stock with my turkey and the house really just the, the aroma is fantastic and so you know there's something to be said about doing a showing is like oh man I can imagine like baking cookies here and having the kids over and you know so hey it's a holiday spirit it's holiday cheer and so you get in the mood and uh, boom you close on that home good job guys <laughs> great point and I would say it's almost impossible if you were to sell your home today Unless it's a cash sale, it's going to be impossible to close before the holidays are over. Like, I just don't see it happening uh, with, the, with the way the, the market goes right now and getting everything done. You're in contingencies for two to three weeks. So it, I think that there's a challenge there, especially in Pennsylvania, maybe not other states. So we hit on a couple of the other objections here. I'm going to give you one more, and then we're going to take a quick break. Or maybe not objections, but things that people say. I don't want people coming through my home during the holidays. I, like, it's not the decorations, but I just don't, I don't want to be bothered. I got family coming in. All sorts of stuff going. I just don't want to. I don't want people coming through my home. Well, if it's positioned properly in the market, uh, they you might be able to just do one weekend of showings and mm -hmm. get it under contract, and then you don't have to have anybody through your home the rest <laughs> of the time, except your family, <laughs> unless you don't want them either. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's really about prepping, positioning, and. Um, you know, hopefully getting that home under contract in the first weekend. I think yeah. if you don't want your family coming over, maybe you put your house on the market now and just say, hey, I got showing. So, all the <laughs> right, people, right. so that, that might be a good way to keep the family away you don't want. Sorry, Sarah, I had to say that. Yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't agree more with um, with what Stacy said there. 
what I often advise people for when they're when they're putting their home up is like, listen, be inconvenienced for a couple days. Let everybody in that wants to see it for a couple days. And then we look at the offers and then you're done. Versus when you try to restrict it too much and say like, well, that's really inconvenient for me, yada, yada, yada. And I mean, I know there's different situations where if you have kids and bedtimes and whatnot, like you don't want people coming through after that. But just uh, give a couple days to be inconvenienced and then it can be that portion of it can be over with. Awesome. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, if you're looking to get trained like this, the exact way Stacy and Sarah and I kind of broke this down, this is what we teach at our team. So if you're thinking about getting into real estate, check out realestatescholarshipprogram.com. We'll pay for your license. We'll get you licensed, get you practicing right away. But we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to Paul White about Brickhouse Environmental, about the service he gives to the community, because there's a lot of stuff that Paul does that people probably don't know about that makes a big difference, saves lives, keeps people safe. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. All right, all right, all right. We are back for the final segment today of Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. She's Stacy Mitchell. And we have a special guest, the principal at Brickhouse Environmental out of Westchester, Paul White. Paul, thanks again for coming on. And we want to talk about your company, what you do, and, and just kind of walk people through environmental consulting and engineering because, you know, as, as someone that would never be able to even get through engineering school. It's complicated, but it has a real-life impact on, on people. So to give you some background on Paul's company real quick, um, they are an environmental consulting and engineering firm. They specialize in remediation, solid waste, and land development markets, and they provide environmental and engineering solutions to our local community. So what does that mean for someone? You will meet someone at a bar, Paul, or at a restaurant. They say, hey, what do you do? How do you explain that? Because I think there's some technical jargon in there that people like me might get confused by. Yeah, sure, Tom. And first, thank you so much for having me come over today. Um, this is pretty exciting. I can't say that I've ever been on the radio before. <laughs> Hopefully, this is coming off smoothly. Um, but <laughs> so 
You know, environmental consulting is a pretty broad topic. You've thrown me like a wide open ended question there. I could go a million different ways with it. I'm going to try to tie this into the real estate market a little bit as best as I can. Um, but Brickhouse Environmental um, is a firm that's been operating in the Chester County and surrounding areas for a lot of years now. Um, I actually have been with the firm since 1988. Um, I landed uh, at the company. I was out of college. I had my degree in geology. I was all excited. And, you know, I thought, well, I don't really want to go to Texas and work in the oil fields. I didn't even <laughs> know there was an environmental consulting world out there. So it wasn't something that I was trained specifically at in school. And I was a starving geologist. I was going around door to door selling copy machines, if you can believe it. And I saw at one of the places I cold called a sign that said geologists and engineers. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, this is for me. And I was like, I'm not leaving until I have a job. And I actually convinced the original owner to hire me. And I've been there ever great. since. That's a, I mean, that's a great way to get your and the sales experience, right? I mean, you're going selling copiers. I mean, you probably have no problem asking for a job at that point, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I was, I literally was like, I'm not leaving until I talk to the boss here. <laughs> <laughs> so my partner Dave and I um, bought out the original owner back in the early 2000s, and we've been providing our services to the community ever since. And so what we do, as far as real estate is concerned, is we do all of the investigations before the transactions take place, before a shovel goes in the ground, before a roadway gets laid down. And you don't really think about it, but you know, I've had a lot of environmental attorneys and real estate attorneys say, Paul, without water and without sewage, we have no project, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So when you go into your house, you want the toilet to flush. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you want to make sure that the water comes on. And, you know, a lot of engineering goes into that process well in advance, and you don't really think about it, um, but every piece of land has its own individual characteristics. And you need to understand those characteristics before you can design and build a community. So a lot of times in our area, because we're a very, very old area, you know, the Route 30 roadway, the Westchester Pike roadway, all of the roadways that leave out of the city They've been there for hundreds of years. And, you know, industry has grown up and died. And, you know, all kinds of different things have happened in the past that have led to some we call contamination of the land. So you don't want your homeowner to live on a contaminated property, right? No, you know, no, no you one don't. wants to be exposed to lead or gasoline spills or any number of things that could be left over from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. And so we go in and we do all of our investigations well in advance. The big home builders, they know that they don't want to be on the hook for selling contaminated properties. So they spend a lot of time and a lot of effort and they hire firms like ours to go in and do these investigations do their, during their due diligence period. And so um, once we discover what's there, they figure out with us how we're going to correct it so they can move forward with a good, strong foundation and not have to worry about those issues. Um, so in essence, you know, that's kind of what we do um, as, a, as a general proposition. Um, does that lead to any questions from you guys for me? Well, I, so I, I got a couple, and then uh, well, Sarah looks like she had one, so we'll let her go first. Well, I was just going to ask, ask if uh, limestone is a, a big thing that you have to look into for I don't know, different different buildings and uh, with it being a bit of a 
softer. I don't I don't know the correct term here. But. Well, you, that's a great question. Um, you know, from a geologist perspective, um, if you look at the geology map of Pennsylvania, it's Which a I, super I do crazy but. color-coded <laughs> map with, you know, hundreds of difference of patterns all over the place. And one of the rock formations is called limestone. It's made of calcium and carbonate. And it just so happens that rainwater is a little bit acidic. And as the rainwater works its way down through the soil and through the rock, it can dissolve that limestone rock and create voids under the ground that can't be seen until the sinkhole falls in and there's a big giant hole in the ground. So uh, anytime that we're doing projects that are in limestone areas, which are known, there's maps of it, um, we want to go and make sure the geotechnical engineers do all the number of borings to make sure there aren't any voids that need to be filled up. I mean, I'll tell you just a, a quick story. When they were building all of the new bypasses for Route 422 and the 202 around King of Prussia, that's a big limestone sinkhole prone mm -hmm. area. And the geotechnical companies estimated that it was going to take about $100,000 to fix the sinkholes that were going to be underneath the 422 and the 202 bypasses. Well, about a year later, they built a concrete plant there, and they had spent over $10 million, and they were still pumping cement into the ground trying to fill those voids. Um, so uh, they didn't do an adequate job of the initial geotech investigation. It cost the Department of Transportation millions and millions in cost overruns. And similar things can happen, you know, when it comes to um, residential developments and other communities. You have to do those subsurface investigations, understand the underlying rock types, and then make the adequate corrections. You know, everything can be corrected if you know what it is, but you need to know what it is first. Brickhouse is the company that comes in and does those types of investigations in advance of the buildings. Very cool. I love that. It's so interesting. One of my previous uh, lives, I should say, um, <laughs> I worked at a geo-environmental sciences and engineering firm in Exton, probably one of the competitors. But um, Paul put him out of about, business. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, exactly. I doubt that. But there's a lot of environmental consulting <laughs> yeah, so firms in our area. Yeah, so it was very interesting. We just put the proposals together and things like that. But the language is very interesting. But I have a question about radon. So um, I know our area, it's, what, 50% of homes could have a radon, elevated radon issue. So how does that, it, for our listeners, where does, what can you tell us about radon? So radon is a natural gas. Um, it's a radioactive gas that is in certain rock types at varying levels. Um, there are maps that show which individual rock types generate the most amount of radon gas, but it is a naturally occurring phenomena and it slowly seeps from the rock up through the soil and if your building is built over top of it some amount of radon gas can come into your home the best way to determine the radon level in your home is with a radon test all right so you can make various predictions you know the redding prong is a rock formation in the redding area and it is known to have pretty high um, radon concentration. So radon is just one of those things where, you know, the best way to deal with it is just to do a radon test. The interesting part to all of that is over the course of time, um, the environmental regulations are now recognizing that not only radon gas is a problem, 
but you can have plumes, we call them, of volatile organic compounds in the groundwater flowing under developments. And the volatile organic compounds they have discovered are migrating from the groundwater through the soil and into the building spaces. So a lot of our projects now involve collecting vapor samples, not just for radon, but for volatile organic compounds. And we have to design vapor mitigation systems that go beneath the homes um, in order to make sure that we don't have other gases getting into the homes that could have you know, an adverse impact of people's health. And so a lot of our um, investigations for remediation map out the plumes. Um, there's a lot of properties along you know, the Great Valley Corridor from King of Prussia out towards Coatesville where there are solvent plumes in the groundwater. And everyone thought for many years that as long as you had public water, you didn't really have to worry about it because you weren't drinking it. And now they've discovered, no, there's another way for that contaminant to potentially get into homes. So we've been spending a lot of time studying that and a lot of uh, engineering uh, work to correct that problem and make sure that we have vapor mitigation systems to prevent any volatile organic compounds from getting into homes. So it's not just radon anymore. Hmm. Did not know that. Very interesting. So when... I know and you're talking I mean obviously what we're talking about here are larger developments but and and a lot of folks they come to us and say hey we want to build a home and they're looking at these like one-off lots here and there and do, do you run into more issues because the, it's so developed in the greater Philadelphia area because the, the land that's not developed is usually kind of like the not so great lots or w- what are you seeing on a day-to-day for people that are thinking about buying new construction because I think that's that, that's a real sexy question we get asked a lot so we do um, a fair amount of small subdivision work in other words so um, a guy owns, uh, you know, a little estate lot that he got from his family. He's got like nine acres. He's got a home on it. And he's like, you know what, man, if I could just subdivide this and create three or four building lots, I'm going to make a fortune. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them think that that's going to happen. <laughs> and then they get into their engineering studies and they realize that that 10 acre lot really isn't as suitable as you thought. There's wetlands can't disturb wetlands. There's uh, sinkhole issues. There's stormwater management. The biggest one is sewage, because if you don't have public sewage, you need to do an on-lot sewer system. And to get sewage approval is a really challenging uh, equation in Pennsylvania, not because of perk tests, and you could get me talking about this for a long time. <laughs> I've done court cases over it. Um, but the nitrogen load from your sewer going into the soil can get into groundwater supplies. So mm. we have to do a whole study to make sure that the aquifer, the underground uh, water supply, can handle the additional nitrogen load without causing any nitrogen contamination of the wells. And that really trips people up and, the, and causes that 10-acre lot to be only, maybe we get one house on it, yep. not six. Yeah. You know, so um, anytime someone has a little extra land that wants to do a subdivision, um, y- you really need to do a lot of homework up front, um, get some professionals like in there to give you some advice uh, before you launch into it. Because you can really spend a lot of money and then come to a roadblock and not get your money back. Well, I think that's the, that's always the challenge because I know I mean you, you ladies could probably speak to this. Hey, I'm gonna I'd love to build a house. I mean, I just unless you're going out to like pretty far out in Chester County, I I don't see that being a really good option for a lot of people. 
Um, what kind of environmental issues do you run into in the city? Because we're talking a lot about like suburban lots, but I'd love to hear about that real quick. We got about a minute and a half, Paul. So I'll be as quick as I can. <laughs> so we're doing a lot of redevelopment in the city. Um, so one of the favorite kind of projects is there's an old corner where there used to be an old gasoline station or a filling station, and um, it's great for a little townhouse development. And so we'll come in, we'll do all the environmental stuff, we'll take care of that residual gasoline contamination. And, you know, a lot of our savvy customers, they're buying these properties cheap because there's a known contamination problem, but we can fix the contamination problem a lot for a lot less money than they thought. So they get it cheap, we take care of that problem, we put in the vapor mitigation system, we don't have to haul all the contamination away, they're on public water, they're on public sewer, they're building up, not down, and you know we could just kind of encapsulate that little residual contamination in place and it's a big win for everybody because we can redevelop an old property and make it useful again. That's a big part of our business, Tom. Good question. Love that. Well, and I think that's where a lot of development's happening too, because there's, I mean, there's so many opportunities in the city, and there's you know, some neighborhoods that are on the come, and they're, you know, getting redeveloped again for the second or third time. So, if someone wants to get in touch with you, Paul, we're up against it here. How do they reach out to Brickhouse Environmental? They want to engage you. They just have a question, or hopefully they can hire you. Would be the goal. So, if you Google BrickhouseEnvironmental.com, it's going to pop right up. Um, you know. Uh, we, you know, come up on the search pages. We have a Facebook page for Brickhouse. Um, I'm told that we <laughs> also have like, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, uh, I'm more uh, the technical folk and not uh, so much of the marketing. But hey, um, you can always reach out to us, and we'd love to, you know, talk to your to your uh, listeners about any problems they have on the environmental world and um, help them out. So GTS, Google that site. That's Google not usually that what site, it means. Brickhouse but, uh, Environmental. Brickhouse <laughs> yeah. Environmental. So that's it for this week's episode of Tool Time Real Estate Radio. You want to follow Sarah. She's on Instagram. It's at T-Y underscore T-Y-T-I-M-E, Ty underscore Ty Time. You want to follow Stacy. It's at the number two, Mitchco, two M-I-T-C-H-C-O. You can follow me on Instagram as well, at TomTool3RD, at tomtool Third. Google Tom Tool Sales Group. We're on YouTube, except for this week because Nick is out, but you can find us on Facebook. We stream live every week. That's it. Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.